Welcome to Maritime Software Hub, the People Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to sit down and talk to Gapreet Singh, who is the Chief Commercial Officer at Rightship. Um, he's had a really interesting background, uh, starting in the, in, the, in the Army in Singapore in his teens, uh, progressing into working into companies such as Maersk and uh, Shell, and then later on, and, and ultimately ending up um, being the Chief Commercial Officer at Rightship. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in again. And uh, if you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, drop me a note on LinkedIn or, or message podcast at cordellbeaumont.com. Thank you. Hi, Gurpreet. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Callum. Thanks for having me here. Very happy to be here. It's a pleasure to, to speak with you and to show, showcase your, your, your profile, your background, and also uh, rightship solutions to, to our listeners and things. So great to, to have you on um so as a quick intro you're obviously the chief commercial officer at right ship you've got a really fascinating background um in the army initially and then stemming across different uh, maritime companies obviously working at shell as well so perhaps you could do a, a bit of a better job of introducing yourself and, and and telling us a bit about the early stage of your career uh, and, and go from there that's okay sounds good um so let's start with uh with my early stage of my career indeed so I'm Singaporean. I'm born in Singapore and I've spent most of my life out here. And as such, I enrolled into the National Service of the Singapore Army at the age of 18, which is when we spent two and a half years enrolling ourselves through various tasks, leadership roles in the Army. And it was my first foray in taking a leadership role very early in my, in my, uh, in my, in my then career, in my life, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, upon studying with my bachelor in mechanical engineering in school, I then moved into Musk, where I spent seven years of my of my early career life, and there was a very interesting seven years where I moved via the management trainee program into full time roles dealing with pricing operations and and a sales role, which I which 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 was my last role in in Musk, and that was the role that really interested me more into the commercial world. Following that, I did my MBA for a year in France with INSEAD, which was a very enriching year as I worked with uh, I worked with and I collaborated with a diverse set of classmates okay. from different industries and different geographies, and I learned a lot through that, through that one year. And then I moved back to Singapore and I joined Shell with the Shipping and Maritime Organization. At that point of time, I, I held the role of Business Development Manager, working specifically on LNG as a maritime fuel. Yes. Throughout my six, seven years in Shell, I also moved a couple of roles. One of the um, roles that I that I often reflect on was um, as a product manager for a digital venture that we had spun in uh, spun out in Shell. Very great learning experience. First time getting involved in a digital space uh, full time. Um, great learning learning opportunity and and following those seven years of of, of meeting wonderful colleagues and learning uh, a lot more from the energy industry energy side of shipping, if you will, I, I then uh, moved into Rightship, which is where I am now for coming to two years yeah. as the Chief Commercial Officer. And as Chief Commercial Officer, my duties are largely around leading and, uh, and, and executing the global commercial strategy plan, which is largely around how we oriented ourselves around customers, how we serve the market better, and how we learn from what the market is telling us in how we position our products in the in the correct way yeah no fantastic and i think uh i've seen a lot of um uh read a lot about rise ships uh kind of how you're really trying to push the esg that's your main focus and towards zero harm for for the welfare of, of the crew and mariners so yeah really interesting to dive into that in a little moment 
But um, just to go back a moment, so you, you you mentioned about spending some doing your sort of national service in the army, and, and we we used to have that in the UK years ago. Uh, my granddad refers to it very regularly, um, but we 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 don't have to do it anymore. And I just just love to hear your I don't know I guess a bit bit of your take on what what the experience was like for you uh, in the army at, at, that, at that early age. Um, was it quite daunting at the time, or did you like relish it? You find found it really exciting. Yeah, that's an interesting question. When I when I ask my peers and I ask uh, the upcoming generation about it, there's always mixed reviews. Some people regard it as a chore. Mm. Some people are curious about it, and of course, there's some people who are slightly daunted about it. For me, it was uh, something that I was really curious about. I personally have enjoyed my school years where core curricular activities come in, where I could step out of the classroom and and get a little bit outdoors. So this is an opportunity to actually really get outdoors yeah. and. Uh, Spend time with the uh, with 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 others of a similar age during those two and a half years. To me, it was um, quite quite surprising. Initially, I was a little bit worried about whether I could meet the physical standards that typically happen in a, um, in, a in a national service okay. capacity. However, I managed to overcome that and uh, also build some leadership competencies very early on in my career. So it started off with a little bit of concern about fitness, and it started off and, and then it led to more of a curiosity building into leadership competencies and and working well with others yeah. that come from very different and diverse backgrounds i think that was the um, huge learning opportunity for me in the national service yeah and i guess a little bit of, of discipline as well there at that age yeah. i think i probably could have done with a little bit of that um but no it's a yeah really excellent thing to do and i know a lot of our kind of greek friends and clients in greece and other regions across europe still do it as well so it's uh i think it's an excellent thing um Good. And, and then fast forward a few years, you mentioned you were kind of one of the digital ventures leads at, at Shell, uh, which sounds like a really interesting sort of project. Um, but what, what solution were you working on? What, what was their kind of uh, offering at the time while you were there? Yeah. So this was um, an offering such that we were working with the Shell's downstream retail customers okay. and largely around looking at supply chain optimization. So it was more of the road transport of the industry versus the maritime transport of the industry. So it's my chance to step out of maritime, pick up some learnings from what's happening beyond in the logistics, the road transportation space, before going back into the maritime sector as my as my later on um, career rules would have evidenced. Now, the solution that we were working on was a software as a service solution mm -hmm. where we worked with our customers to help them optimize how they do deliveries um, as you would imagine, in Shell, there's a whole host of customers. There's a bunch of, um, of course, individual retail drivers, like you and I, if you are on the road. Uh, but there's also some customers who work on a fleet basis. So they own a host of vans or motorbikes or delivery vehicles. Yep. And the solution I was then working on was in collaboration with another startup um, in the industry and how we were able to help our customers optimize their trips more efficiently. And of course, the proposition there becomes possible to, to really expand on its proposition, uh, not just on the fuel side, but also looking into how to help customers of Shell deliver their operations in a more efficient and optimized manner. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Fantastic. And you you kind of said that yeah. that kind of maybe kind of sparked your interest on the, the yeah. digital yeah. side of, 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 I guess, the SaaS sort of arena and, and that area. And... 
I mean, in terms of shipping and maritime, did you find there's a, a obviously the, the last five to ten years or so we've seen a real boom and push and investment in different solutions across the world and all different variations. I mean, what do you find kind of most exciting about, uh, I guess, the digitalization of shipping and, and how in different ways it can help mariners or, or ship owners or charterers? Anything in particular that stands out for you is particularly exciting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a very rich question, Callum, and I think what comes out to me is really why I even joined the shipping industry in the first place. Um, it's an industry that's it's extremely global and extremely complex with a with with many many parties with with uh, different parts of the value chain. Now, when we think about digitalization and shipping, to me, the the really appealing piece is how we can start to democratize the insights that happen across the different parts of the value chain. How we can bring different parties together. And if there wasn't digitalization, adversely, it's going to be a, a much more efficient, inefficient industry in, in, in the sense that you would have merit, very parties that are operating in silos and they will continue to operate in silos. So to me, I think the biggest interest point for, for, for shipping and digitalization is how various parties can work together or on very real world use cases. Yeah. And, and, and one of them that I could highlight is uh, with regards to safety. Mm -hmm. So if one imagines a world of uh, which every party is trying to work towards enhancing safety in their predefined manner, you would have a very chaotic world. And um, in, in a world where we, we think about the use cases of safety and how you can democratize that across the whole value chain, such that when a port looks at safety or a charter cargo owner thinks about safety or a ship owner manager or crew, uh, a crew member, a seafarer thinks about safety. The, the the opportunity becomes a lot more transparent and and a lot more even across the the value chain. Okay. Now I'm also super aware that when you look at the different parts of the shipping industry, when you look at the tanker side, when you look at the dry bulk side, there's differing standard standards. And I think digitalization has its opportunity to grow very much in in this particular space. Yeah. And that's what we in in Rajpa are always busy with too. To, to help leverage on the insights that you get via the digital solutions that we provide. And this would not be possible if there wasn't digital digitalization uh, in action. Yes. And then I guess the challenge is then taking those insights and I guess implementing them and communicating them with, yep. with the crew and with the captains and, and, and I guess showcasing it in the best way okay. for... To, to be as safe as possible. So do, do you find that a particular challenge, um, kind of the, the uptake of, of, of the insights that you're sharing uh, across the sort of the, the, the marine space in general, or is it quite, it's becoming more and more uh, um, taken on board regularly, would you say? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. And I think, you know, there's, there's really a spectrum of, of maturity here. There are the... You know, for example, the customers or, or prospects in the market out there that are very mature amongst their their digital journey, if you may, if you will, and and for them, the objective is really about how to get data, how to get insights into their platforms. So for for these particular types of uh, personas, the proposition would have to be tweaked such that we leverage on features such as open APIs to get the insights and the data to flow into their particular platforms that they've built in-house. Okay. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you see some some of the uh, players in the market that are still in the infancy of this journey, and they rely on on platforms um, to give them these insights. 
Now, you know, when we think about shipping and we think about the players and the attitudes in the past, there's always been a little bit of silo thinking. You know, I will create my own platform and no one else, and then another party will create their own platform and not work with anyone else. Yes. I think the opportunity with digitalization or with this whole platform play is how partnerships can come live. And partnerships will help various parties then access the insights that they need to to really up their game with regards to safety using that that, that similar use case. So we think about the different parts of the spectrum. There's the more mature players in the industry that are able to leverage on more technology-driven yeah. features. And then on the other side, there are those who rely on partnerships. And that's something that we're very welcome to. We're very welcome to work with partners out there who are like-minded, who really want to drive this notion on zero harm yeah. in the industry, such that we can up the game. And, and we also have our partnerships with our existing players out there to really drive this similar agenda. Briefly interrupt this episode to give you a quick overview of our core business, which is Cordell Beaumont. We're the company that powers the podcast. For those of you that don't know of us, haven't heard of us, um, we are a digital search agency and we focus primarily on the maritime trade and supply chain space. So what does digital search mean? Well, essentially, we are a, a recruitment agency that really partners on a more strategic way with our clients and we help them hire mainly commercial professionals. So there could be sales, marketing, product management type of individuals, leadership, uh, and also more techie sort of software development roles, that type of thing, in a slightly more mid to senior function. So often our clients are, are people that perhaps don't want everyone to know that they're hiring. So a lot of the hiring we do is, is a little bit more behind closed doors. So if you're looking for perhaps for a strategic recruiting partner that knows the maritime market very well, is, is regularly in touch with um, individuals and professionals within the digital shipping space, then we'd love to hear from you and, and help you either from a hiring angle where we could help you with uh, kind of either any current hiring plans or maybe down the lines to help this kind of future succession planning. Or alternatively, if you are an individual working in the, the, the digital shipping space or interested in moving over to, the, to digital shipping, We'd love to hear from you. Again, we're in touch with a number of businesses all across the globe that are really exciting. Some of them are startups. Some of them have been around sort of 10, 15 years scaling. Others are well-established and, and have maybe publicly traded, uh, got big backing from, from large organizations. So a real variety and uh, we're here to help. So please do reach out, um, Callum at CordellBeaumont.com and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, and I saw you, you. You obviously partner with companies like C uh, and a number of other sort of businesses across not just the more technical uh, side of shipping, but also the the commercial chartering sort of platforms or insights. And it, it, it's it's obviously completely global the the, the reach across different market spaces and things. So I guess in a specific kind of way, it's just good to learn how how Rightship is kind of helping the, your customers progress towards the sort of zero harm. ESG sort of um, those sort of structures and processes that you're putting in place to help them with that. It'd be good to dwell on that a little bit. Yeah, sure thing. Um, I think that's an interesting interesting thing to, to to dwell a bit deeper into. When when one hears ESG, sometimes the response that I get is that um, ESG equals to environment sustainability, right? And and usually I'll take that opportunity to to, to go a bit deeper. So ESG, there's there's three parts to it. Is the yeah. As the acronym shows, there's environment, social, and governance. 
So from 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 Rancher's perspective, when we think about environment, is a lot to do with the emissions kind of insights that would help a charter make an informed decision about which particular um, trade routes to work with uh, or ports and terminals customer to think about which are the emission hotspots within their port geography. When we think about the S part of the ESG, there's a whole host of uh, opportunities around crew welfare. Yeah. Uh, now we fully recognize that a healthy and happy seafarer is able to work more efficiently and, and, and is able to thus address any gaps in safety more proactively. So we see a huge opportunity to really um, provide additional insights and awareness around how crew welfare standards globally can be increased. As such, we work with a lot of owners and operators to really up the game when it comes to crew welfare. And increasingly, even as chapter customers ask us more and more questions uh, with regards to what can be done in a crew welfare space. And then we move to the G in ESNG. And, and last time we think about governance, from Redshift's perspective, a lot of that relates to maritime safety. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the part where, which I was referring to earlier, where we sometimes see differing standards out there. And from a registry perspective, we leverage a lot on the insights that we ingest from the public domain, the insights that our customers give us, the insights that we procure as well. And we aggregate that together and we provide back to the, the charter and ship owner community with those insights to really enhance the safety levels in the shipping industry. Okay. So by increasing the safety levels uh, by which a uh, charter, for example, makes a decision about the owner that you work with and an owner then thinks about how they can increase their safety standards, we are able to then um, you know, leverage on E, S, and G to really drive home our vision, which is really about zero harm. Okay. So that's 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 in a nutshell how we work with uh, that ESNG positioning, also in line with the customer types that we uh, we currently work with. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. And do do you work closely with the different classification societies to try and embed them into their their their, their general guidelines and 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 uh, and processes? Is is that one of your kind of partnerships arms? Is to do with class as well, or or, or is that slightly separate? Um, it, in, in parts of it, it's similar, in parts of it, it's separate. So we are open to collaborate with classification societies. Uh, for example, we do speak quite regularly uh, when we are coming up with our GHG standards as an instance. Yeah. Um, however, it's more along the lines of a partnership perspective that we are able to collaborate. Um, and, and that's where I, I think we see an opportunity alongside the digital oriented insights that we are able to provide to the industry to see how we can still work together. Yeah. So I think there's more work to be done from that perspective. I think there's still a lot more that we can continue to collaborate on with various entities, uh, not just customers, but for example, bus and societies in, mm. in the industry. Very interesting. Excellent. Okay. So, um, yeah, so the, the, the main sort of theme and, and, and the, each yeah. episode, we tend to talk about a different sort of role function within the kind of the the maritime SaaS space. So obviously your your role as chief <laughs> commercial officer, um, you've you've done phenomenally well to kind of rise through the ranks and get oh. into a C suite position. I mean, I, do you think you've obviously talked a little bit about your background, but do you think there was anything kind of pivotal that that really helped you kind of uh, progress and step into that sort of senior management type of function that you can think of? Yeah, I think when I when I when I kind of 
take a step back and I reflect on my, my career journey. There are a few, you know, I think you call them pivotal uh, moments in my career that, that, that have helped. You know, looking back at, at, at what I tend to bring to the table, I, I bring a deep curiosity in everything I do to whichever role I, I land on, be it a role doing pricing in, 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 in Musk or when I was a product manager in Shell. And I think these were the two roles where I see a lot of, um, I saw a lot of growth in myself personally. One from a commercial standpoint, uh, where I was doing pricing at a very early stage in my career, and I could really look at the the way I could um, drive PNL um, across various strategies that I could that I could implement back then. And I remember at that point of time, I was focused on the East Africa business for Musk, which which was and is still a massively yeah. growing trade. And I, I was then tasked very early on to to figure out how to optimize our our PNL bottom line most effectively. Now it was a uh, big opportunity for me, and uh, of course it came with a lot of expectations. But given the curiosity that I bring to my role, I was able to really get a little bit deeper into what were the levers that I could leverage on um, how does capacity work in a container shipping space, for example, and how could I use that to drive a lot of commercial benefit. And in doing so, I, I learned very early on about the, the commercial acumen behind some of the business decisions that are taken. Uh, so when I then transitioned into a sales role and even the product role later on in my career, I was able to carry on that learning with me. I think that that was a pivotal moment for me to be given those kind of responsibilities very early in my career and really leverage on my personal curiosity to, to get a bit deeper to understand the drivers. I think the second one would be my, my MBA with INSEAD. Um, it was an interesting opportunity because I had a chance to step outside of a particular domain out of shipping and, and really look at what kind of uh, problem statements were being worked on by my classmates uh, globally. And, and of course, with INSEAD, you have a whole diverse set of classmates from different countries and, and different industries, uh, and they bring with them a lot of breadth yeah. of knowledge. So I took that opportunity with my, with, you know, with, with my hands uh, fully uh, embedding myself into that uh, INSEAD ecosystem and learned a lot, right? Such that when I, when I, when I graduated from INSEAD, I was, I was in awe with the perspectives that said with someone sitting from an investment banking perspective, someone sitting from a consulting perspective, someone sitting from a FMCG perspective. And this became really yeah. useful when I then moved into my various roles throughout my career. So it allowed me to really bring a lot of strategic thinking via the INSEAD MBA, but really drive home the implementation in what we do on a daily basis via via my commercial acumen, which I had built earlier in my career. Excellent. Uh, no, no, fascinating. And it sounds like a, a very fortunate, not fortunate, but obviously you created that opportunity from an early stage in your career to sort of lean more towards the commercial side of, of business, which is which is excellent. And and I guess now, fast forward to your, your current mm -hmm. role, what what is a day-to-day -day look like for you as a, a chief commercial officer, would you say? Yeah, I think first and foremost, there is no typical day in a chief commercial officer uh, role. Every day is so varied, especially in, in, in rightship. Mm. Um, but I could give you snippets about what I, what, what I typically uh, work on. So um, as, as chief commercial officer, I lead the global sales and marketing organization as well as the pricing and commercial analysis part of the business. And on, on a day-to-day -day basis, basically, I work very closely with the sales team in understanding where the customer interest for rideshare is, 
where our opportunities to grow uh, really present themselves and how we can then go about activating some of our tactics in certain markets. Um, you know, one might one might appreciate that the proposition for for safety would be very different from one chapter compared to another chapter, depending on the cargo that they that they wish to to be carried, depending on the pain points that they have, depending on the mechanism. And we talked about APIs as an instance earlier, depending on the mechanism that they want to get their insights via. So for me, on a daily basis, that takes up that takes up a, a, a fair chunk of time and how we. We, we strategize and position ourselves to with our customer base. I do spend a significant amount of time with our, with my marketing team okay. as well. And here it's more around the communication strategies and how we how we position our propositions out there. Do we leverage only on LinkedIn or or, or, or do we look at other channels out there? And and what what are the insights from a um, the customer lead generation or uh, an interaction perspective yeah. telling us? Are there certain articles or certain white papers that that, that generate a lot more interest? Um, for example, we have recently shared a white paper around the pilot ladder safety issues, and there's a lot of market feedback around okay. that already. Um, and, and that to me is is quite interesting. It tells me that okay, there's an opportunity for us to drive safety in that particular domain as well, right? Not just looking at the the larger place, but also the pilots and the ladders and the yeah. interactions with the port as the ship comes to 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 the port. And, and 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 that's 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 the other part of my role that I spend quite a significant amount of time in. I, I do also work very closely with my pricing and commercial analysis colleagues, and and we look at the at the overall global um, outcomes in terms of where we see growth um, oppor- opportunities presenting okay. themselves. Uh, for instance, do we see more opportunities in an emerging market, um, and, and and how do we then work with the sales team to to grow there? Um, so these are some of the questions that we ask ourselves, and, and certainly this doesn't just relate to my work in isolation with the commercial team. I also work very closely with my colleagues in the product and technology yeah. team, who are constantly listening to the market, constantly understanding and iterating what kind of solutions do resonate. So that product market fit testing is something that I get uh, pretty immensely involved in, and, and that's uh, that's that's also an opportunity for us to make sure that. We are building products and and solutions that are that are most relevant to what the market requires. And if there's an emerging pain point, if there's an emerging insight that we can provide, and you know, we think about the world and how it's changing today with, with this whole discussion around IMO regulations, yeah. right, um, around emissions, that's something that we need to be very keenly putting our ear to the ground, and, and and really understanding what's the pulse of the market and making sure that our propositions are fast relevantly. Um, okay. No. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 quite a diverse it is, area of activity that I have on a daily basis, but that's the nature of the job. No, but one way. I understood, and thank you for sharing. And I guess, it, it, let's say, for example, if, if I was in a working for a maritime software company, and I was the head of sales, and I have aspirations to become a, a chief commercial officer one day, what, what do you think the difference is in the roles between the two? And and perhaps from what maybe what you've seen in your career, what kind of tips or maybe guidance you can give to try and sort of take for people to take that leap and that progression? Anything you can perhaps share on that sort of that side? Yeah, I think firstly the the, the commercial acumen is a non-negotiable. I think that's a given, right? To be heading a commercial function, I think the commercial acumen is is definitely a necessity. 
And it's one of those um, skills that one develops, especially in the sales world, uh, where you spend time in market, where you understand exactly what the customer is looking for and where value is really created. So if someone was in a head of sales role and, and looking to move into a, a chief commercial um, function, for example, I think I think there's a few things. So firstly, um, continue to focus on building that commercial acumen, continue to under, continue to really have a pulse on what the market is saying, where the customer really understands the value, where the customer really resonates with value being yeah. created. I think that's, that's, that's a key piece. I think the other one Good. that goes beyond that is really making sure that um, as, as, as someone in the head of sales and, and typically the conversations become a, a, a bit of a deal by deal basis, right? It becomes relatively transactional uh, focus, which is understandable being in a sales role. I think it's keen to also note that in a, um, in, in a commercial role, it, it needs to go beyond a transaction deal by deal perspective and it needs to really move into a, an annual uh, a three-year, a yeah. five-year type of uh, business growth trajectory. So the thinking has to evolve from a transaction deal-by-deal deal perspective into a strategic long-term okay. perspective. And um, to, to me at least, I've, I've really obtained a lot of those insights by looking at what are the insights that are that, 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 that I can derive from my colleagues in the, the strategy team, in the finance team, and, and how does that then relate to what the market is telling us? So it's it's always a bit of a balancing yes. act, right? If you think about it from a chief commercial perspective, there's one with the company's aspirations to grow. It's yeah. two is also understanding where the uh, transaction nature of the deal by deal uh, business flow continues to fuel the business growth itself. And and really being able to to, to strike a very good balance. Uh, I think that's the, that's the key part of the chief commercial. I think maybe maybe the last bit about about the role itself. I think you know one needs to be genuinely curious about um, what's happening in and outside yeah. the business. So spending time with the customers and in you know uh, and understanding their pain points is something that a lot of sales colleagues do get involved in, and then outside in perspective is much uh, much much appreciated. But then also spending enough time with the products that we do sell understanding how they're evolving and how they are then matching to, to evolutions in the market itself. So really having a good pulse of what's happening in the market, what's happening within the organization, and being able to stitch that to beyond a, a six-month or three-month horizon and really looking at it from a, a year, three-year growth perspective are key elements that, that come to the fore in, uh, in such that, a role. That makes perfect sense. And do you think you're... Having an MBA, having a kind of advanced degree in some way is, is a great platform to help you get into a C-suite position or do you think it's not not necessarily relevant or always needed, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a slightly contextual question, um, Callum, so it really depends. For, for, for me personally, um, I, I came from an environment where I've largely been exposed to one part of the... Of, of the uh, of the macro environment, which was the liner shipping yeah. business at that point of time. And an MBA with with all its exposure and global uh, diverse academia, student body, professors, and so forth, brought a lot of wider thinking and, and, and be able to apply some strategic tools and frameworks in a more senior job. Is it is it helpful? Very much so. For for me personally, uh, at least, 
is it necessary? I think that's something that one has to ask themselves because if you think about it from a from a learning and exposure perspective, a lot of what I got from the INSEAD MBA was not so much the um, the hard academia content, yep. but it's really through those conversations that I have with that diverse network of of classmates that really brought my learning at a, at a very accelerated and a very wide level. And, and I think that's the the question that one needs to ask uh, themselves is if they're considering an MBA is why why would I want to do an MBA exactly? Um, what's the reason? And, and being able to distill that for themselves is, is, is key. And at which stage of their career do they see themselves doing an MBA and in which is beneficial yeah. for their for their growth? And and it simply cannot be one answer that fits all. Um, you know, I, I know of some friends who are a little bit more senior in their careers, and then they go into their executive education programs, for example, which is super encouraged. I think I think learning is a lifelong endeavor. So be it an MBA, be it a executive course, be it a uh, a diploma on the side, a future leaders program, and so forth. yeah. I think that that should continue regardless of, of where people are. You know, I, I've often wondered about it, and I think it, my my appreciation is is that yeah. you can come out of it and, and hopefully talk in a slightly different language and, and understand and, and communicate to people in a different way um, on a, on a more high, higher level about certain issues. Is how I sort of perceive one of the benefits. Uh, I think, um, and if you're presenting ideas to people, you can take it from all different angles and. Uh, showcase the commercial side and other impacts so uh, i i think it's very excellent and, and whenever we speak to people in high level positions the majority i'd say have had some type of form of higher education so i think it's excellent good okay great well i think from a more personal side we always ask everybody this and you you're no 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 pressure to share anything to uh <laughs> too personal but um basically essentially we'd love to know if, if there's one or two things perhaps that most people won't know about you certainly in maybe the working world so is there anything in particular you could share that share with us to uh, to get a bit more insight into to Gabriet? yeah i'm not happy to do that um so maybe maybe two personal things about me um so 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 one is that i have a i have a i have a bubbly little almost two-year-old daughter and she um, keeps us very busy she's uh she's 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 now learning how to um how to say a few words. It's always incredible to see a child going through that journey. That's the most rewarding part of our parenthood, although it keeps us very busy. Yes. And, and literally on our doors on most on most days of the week, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I come home from work every day and sometimes I'm thinking, okay, now I'll stop my night shift. Yep, that's very true. Be running after the little one. And, and I think that's, 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 that's really a joy for me personally. So we, we, we have um, two children as well. Uh, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and uh, and oh wow, and three dogs. So it's uh, yeah, a very busy household for us as well. So uh, it never stops. Keeping you busy, I'm sure. Yes, I'm amazed <laughs> they're being quiet. They finished for school now for the summer, mm. so I'm amazed they're being quiet, which is great. But uh, no, it's very busy. Okay, excellent. We we count our blessings, don't we? Yeah, we make the most of it while we can. <laughs> good, good. And any any anything else you'd like to share? Oh, I mean, just maybe just 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 allows. A bit, bit. I mean, one of the things that I've often reflected on was um, was 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 how I got even attracted into the 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 world of shipping, right? Uh, and and sometimes it's seen as a bit of a technical um, environment, and where 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 does one see himself as fit? And and to me, if I could just anecdotally share, I remember when I was having the interviews with Musk, uh, I kept 
I kept Googling my way, as, as one always does when preparing for an interview and talking to people about what the industry itself. And what really appealed to me was the global nature okay. of it. You know, the ab ability to solve a lot of complex problems. And I think that that together with my personal curiosity really imbued the drive to continue to look for opportunities within the shipping industry, be it in a commercial sense, be it in a operational sense, be it in a digital sense or, or leadership role. Um, so, so yeah, I think uh, that that's a that's a useful tidbit that I that I would like to share here as well to everyone listening. Thanks. That I think the 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 industry is a really interesting one, and as you have rightly said, Kellen, the last five ten years has been extremely transformative. The use of data, the use of digital insights have have just elevated the industry, and I think everyone can see the potential at which um, the the industry itself can step up in so many ways from from an ESG perspective, um, as we have covered earlier. So yeah, I mean, uh, do do consider uh, this this vibrant industry. There's a variety of roles that we do need, diversity and yeah. uh, smart smart people in this uh, global global world. Yeah, exactly. And, and hopefully that's where we can help with our, on on the recruitment side. Um, but no, I'm I'm, I'm really excited about the the direction that the industry is going, it's especially on the port side now as well as you, you touched upon, like yeah. digital port operations, use of drones, all these different sort of. Uh, fascinating text to help with things like digital <laughs> bills of lading all that sort of stuff um it's became really really exciting so uh we're, we're keen to kind of follow everything closely and and, and meet new people so i think it's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak with you and and i'm really glad to hear more about your journey and, and also <laughs> how right ships sort of helps their customers and, and um anything else you'd like to cover or all okay yeah i think uh, we've covered a, a breadth of topics uh in this discussion so far with I mean, thanks for, very much for the platform and uh, the opportunity to, uh, to to share with our listeners a little bit more about my personal journey in in various roles in in this industry and a little bit outside the industry as well. Yeah. Um, as well as the opportunity to share a little bit more about what we do in Raj. No, it's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, well, I look forward to catch up again soon, and, and wish you all the best, and and uh, thank you again for for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maritime Software Hub. I really enjoyed my discussion with Agur Preet. He's got a, a fascinating background. Um, first of all, obviously starting in the army, uh, working at companies like Maersk and Shell um, in different type of digital roles and also commercial roles. So it sounds like from a very early age or early age in, in his career that he uh, started to, to really look after things like P&Ls and kind of got that business acumen kind of built into him, which ultimately shaped his journey into becoming um, Chief Commercial Officer as we discussed so uh, one last thing I didn't mention on the podcast is how to reach uh, reach Gurpreet if you would like to reach out to him and have a chat with him the best way is on LinkedIn so um, feel free to drop him a note and I'm sure he'll get back to you if you have any questions um, but in the meantime thanks again for tuning in and we look forward to talking again soon thank you thank you